Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, the one and only Dr. Lou. Dr. Lou is a motivational psychologist, the author of 28 books. Most important, near and dear to my heart, is the psychosmetologist. Um, He did so many amazing things for the hairdressing industry. I had the pleasure of meeting him both at the Raylon Corporation in a, um, you know, a keynote speaking engagement, as well as at many Matrix events. So this is such a treat for me to have him here with me. I would love to welcome the one and only Dr. Lou. Well, thank you. And, and it's an honor for me to be here with you, Elaine, with the great work that you're doing in the beauty profession. Uh, you've helped build so many businesses and especially the young stylists coming out fresh out of school who are making a decision, is this the right profession or not? And you helping them in those first couple of years, actually not just helping them first couple of years, but helping them, giving them tools for a lifetime. Uh, You're building houses, you're building families, you're building a lot of things. Uh, I love how you just put that. That is so amazing that you just said that because you don't realize the real impact that it has when you keep someone from leaving the industry. Um, We talked when we jumped on here, I said, we miss you, Dr. Lou, that those first years are the most important and the most difficult. Yeah, and and it's it's so amazing the role of all of the those uh, those who are educators or who educate in a certain way um, in the beauty profession. You're changing people's lives. You're helping them build their homes. You're helping them get their automobiles. But more importantly, you're helping them build their pride that during their lifetime they change the world each and every day behind that chair. Tell the story that you were just telling me that's so amazing about how a psychologist got so involved in the beauty industry. I love, love your story. Oh, uh, Elaine, it was interesting because I, I, would, I would go to a barber occasionally. I didn't think much of the beauty profession. Uh, I didn't think frequently of the beauty profession. Uh, and then one day I gave a patient, I had a private practice and I gave a patient some advice and she came back to me and I said, did you follow my advice? And she looked at me, she looked down, she said, no, I didn't. I said, why not? She said, well, I know you thought it would be a good idea, doctor, but I talked to my hairdresser about it and she thought I should do this instead. I said, you listen to your hairdresser's advice about a personal problem? What is going on here? Well, I went out to find out and learn more about the beauty profession. And uh, after a couple of years, I wrote a book called uh, Psychosmetologist, and then a book called Salon Psychology, which was all about the human aspect of the salon, the people part. Because the thing that amazed me in trying to figure out why did she trust her hairdresser so much, I discovered 
There were three main reasons from a psychological perspective. First, the stylus touches people, touches people. There are only five professions in the world that touch people. Mm. The doctor, the dentist, the nurse, the massage therapist, and the hairdresser. And touch builds trust. We know in studying relationships, when two people are sitting in the car and all of a sudden their hands touch for the first time, we know now that the conversation is going to take on meaning with feelings being brought out uh, as a result of that touch. And here, the stylist is doing what the accountant, what the attorney, what the chairman of the board doesn't do, touch people. And, and in looking at that, I go, wow, a psychologist doesn't touch people. And then I realized not only does a hairdresser touch people, but they're with them during every big moment of their life, every emotional moment of their life. They see them anywhere from six to 52 times a year, more frequently than most people see their relatives. Mm. And, and the first day of school, kindergarten, the, the, uh, uh, the high school graduation picture that goes into the yearbook and will last forever is the hairdresser's work framed in history of those yearbooks that live long after the hairdresser, that live long after that, that girl or that boy whose work they had done. The Friday night, the cheerleader out in the crowd looks over at the hairdresser and smiles because they know they look good because of, because of that hairdresser who'd been with her since, the, since her first haircut uh, when she was two years old. And wedding day, a hairdresser. And, uh, and the hairdresser, of course, is asked to lay the person to rest for the very last time. Where do you get anything like that? Mm. Boy, to be a hairdresser, there's nothing in the world like being a hairdresser. You touch people, you're with them during every big moment of their life. And what skills does a hairdresser have? You have the skills to make people beautiful. Can you imagine more important work than that? You make people beautiful. And when you make people beautiful, you give them courage and you give them confidence and you give them hope. And from a psychologist's perspective, we don't do that. And that's why I fell in love with the, with the hairdressing profession. And when I, I tell people, when people ask you what you do for a living, don't look at them and say, I'm a hairdresser. Look at them and say, what do I do? I cosmetically and psychologically transform self-images and destinies of fellow human beings. I'm a psych cosmetologist because that's what the hairdresser does. And the thing is, Elaine, is true of everything in life, our work becomes as important as we view it. Mm. Uh, there's a story about three men digging dirt in the soil. And the first man, they ask, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm digging dirt. They ask a second man, what are you doing? He said, I'm earning a living. They ask a third man, what are you doing? He said, I'm feeding a community. Now they all were doing the same work, but the third man had made it a rich view and his lifetime changed all because of not his job. He was doing the same job as the other two, but his view of his job changed his life. The first man goes through life and he thought he did nothing. The second man fed his family. The third man, he made his life work valuable enough that he changed the world because of his view. 
And that today, if as much as important as anything, if the hairdressers listening in realize it's your view of your work that will determine what your work will be. You can view it as going back into the same old salon and that's what it, that's what it will be. Or you can view it as going into your performance arena where you're going in to make, to change the world and make people beautiful. You can view it as I'm working on my nine o'clock or you can view it I'm working on Mary who loves cooking and who loves wine and who's a new grandmother and she's so proud and she can't wait for her for her uh, for her grandchildren to see her hairstyle uh, and yeah you can view it and and that's the most beautiful thing about not just hairdressing but life our life is a product of how we view it a lot of people say no our life is determined by our environment yes it is for how long until we say i'm going to determine not my environment uh because uh, you, uh i can't look into the mirror at my reflection and say to my reflection you move first i can't wait for my environment to move first i move my reflection moves i think somebody people don't smile at me i start smiling at them i'm going to see a different environment out there so so it's not what happens to me in life that affects me. It's my view of what happens to me that is going to ultimately affect me in life. Everything we talk about today, Elaine, we have control over. We don't need anything else in the world to change as a prerequisite for us to be happy because we have an unlimited creative mind. And the way we look at our life is what our life will become. Wow, that is so powerful. And I remember where and when I heard that first quote of yours about I'm not just a hairdresser. And I'm actually getting emotional listening to you right now because your passion for our industry and what you're sharing with me is the same today as it was in the 90s when they saw you at one of the Matrix events. You still have that same level of passion and purpose and just have so much to offer our industry. And I think what we're missing in this generation of stylists is you and people like you sharing with them that it's not just about how you hold your scissors. It's not about that 90 degree elevation or that perfect placement of a highlight. It's so much more. And I think the first five years in the industry is the absolute hardest. And that's where those newer cosmetologists need you sharing with them that it's a gift what we get to do you know to your point we get to touch people i think i know that hairstylists were the most missed during this pandemic and these close downs where everyone was so mm -hmm. sad and feeling disconnected they missed their hairstylist more than their dentist doctor or anyone mm -hmm. else who's ever touched them so it's really, really huge what we-, we I, And I think Elaine, I, 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 I totally agree with you that hairstylist was missed more than anybody else. One of the things that um, I'm, I'm doing a program now on interpersonal skills uh, because uh, our, our, our research work years ago indicated that more people selected their salon based upon the way they were treated and, their, and often their stylists. Uh, and it fascinated me because a uh, hairstylist goes through 
1,002 hours, 3,000 hours in beauty school, learning the technical aspects of their work and very little on the human aspects of their work. And they, um, uh, in the human aspects of their work, for example, uh, they can learn that uh, because you have this social distance in today's world, doesn't mean you have to have a psychological distance with your client. You can be, you can, psychological distance isn't based on six feet. Psychological distance is based on a measure in heart. Oh, I How love I'm that. feeling about this person. And a stylist who has uh, human relation skills, who has uh, interpersonal skills, has the skills, one of the most important for a hairdresser, the skill of warmth. We now know, we know, psychologists know that the warmer person A is, the safer person B feels. It's like the law of gravity. So how do we, how does a young stylist come out of beauty school and project warmth? Well, we stop and we think about the warmest people in our life. What did they do? We'll notice certain things. They smile more frequently. They're non-judgmental. They don't have those heavy eyebrows looking down and judging. They, they don't uh, sit like this and they don't put their arms like this. This uh, putting our arms like this uh, is an indication I'm ready to go into battle with you. And the, the person on the other side feels that. So warmth becomes so crucial uh, for a hairdresser to cultivate that along with the skill of bonding. And what is that? The similarity attraction principle in psychology says, the more I think you are similar to me, the more I like you. Well, we stop and we think about that. So a hairdresser knowing the similarity attraction principle, because they've taken the time to study psychosmetology, realizes that when a client comes in, they, they immediately are looking for commonalities with the client. A uh, client comes in, well, where'd you go to high school? I went to Central High. I did too. You're kidding me. We both went and look at, I have already built up equity in the first minute in that relationship because I understood that because if I find out you went to the same high school, I think we're close and our psychological distance is decreasing. Oh, what kind of music you like? I like this. Oh, me too. And the, the, uh, the, the hairdresser who has the bonding skills has the skills to never use the word but. When someone says, um, but all we have to do is stop and we think. When somebody puts that finger up like that, the, the psychological distance increases by miles. Instead of using the word but, say the same thing you're going to say, but use the word and. So when they speak and they're saying something you disagree with, start off with and which means I'm, I'm including what you just told me and I'm adding this. And it now forces the person, it now the person will listen rather than feel defensive. The a third skill and the most important one is the skill of empathy, E-M-P-A-T-H-Y. Empathy is the ability to see the world from the other person's eyes, to hear the world from their ears, to feel the world from their heart. Empathy is so crucial. Uh, we, we, now, we now know 
the more empathy person A has, the more understood person B feels. So if we want a person to feel safe, we use warmth. If we want a person to feel connected to us, we bond with them. If we want a person to feel understood, we use empathy. And empathy is an indication of the, the empathic listener. You know, when people listen to other people speak, they're doing one of two things. They're saying, is she right or is she wrong? They're judging or they're empathizing. And that is, let me try to understand what she is saying from her world, rather than let me judge her what she's saying from my world. The more empathy, if everyone listening would just go home tonight and all night, not one time judge their loved ones and just listen to when they say, when they say something, listen to the feelings behind the words. What must they be feeling to have said what they just said and say to them those feeling words, wow, that's really frustrating or that's exciting. All of a sudden, you're gonna to start to hear honest communication from people because of the empathy. They feel understood, not judged. Those are just, there are six skills, but I just wanted to mention three of them that, uh, that were that not only uh, psychosmetology, but all of the field of psychology uh, treasures. I love that. And the replacing the end for but, I, I learned that in a public speaking class. Uh -huh. And when you catch how many times you inadvertently say the word but, uh -huh. you're aware of it. And I catch myself in my emails, you know, uh -huh. blah, 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 but, and I say, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I change it for if, if it's not, if it doesn't make sense saying and, I'll say however. Sometimes that eases it a little bit, but the end is definitely the key to replacing for mm -hmm. but it changes the whole dynamic. Yeah. For sure. uh, the, uh, the ideal for, for a stylist is to get the person in a yes mood. Uh, the, the, ideal, the ideal visit in a salon is to go through the whole time with not once saying the word no, because we feel good when we say yes. It's forward, it's moving, it's progressing. We're going somewhere. We say the word no, things stop. And so I, I, ask, I encourage hairdressers to ask their clients questions uh, with the goal of getting a yes answer. Uh, is your name so-and-so? Yes. Uh, do you drive a such and such? Yes. Uh, and, and get them into a yes rhythm because they feel better uh, with that yes rhythm. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. When you first got into our industry, I can only imagine how different it was to you. You know, when we go to shows that are in a location, you know, either New York, Las Vegas, wherever we are, the hotel that hosts it, I love to watch the staff of the hotel because <laughs> number one, everyone looks great. You know, nobody shows up to check into a hotel like a hairdresser, full makeup, accessories, matching suitcase, we're into all the things. And I love to watch people just basically their mouths are hanging open, like, <clears throat> what is going on? Who are these people? So for you to go from sitting in an office doing therapy to now being in our, you know, sometimes, you know, really crazy world, fun, fun, but crazy. Um, how did you find it when you had to go back into your regular practice or was this your new practice? Was this your, uh, well, it was, it, it, for me, it was, 
for me, it was beautiful because this was more who I was nice. than the person sitting in the office. Uh, in fact, it wasn't long after I started working in beauty profession, I gave up therapy um, because I'm there like, you know what? I'm listening to people's problems all day. Let me go out, have some fun. Uh, they, they be with this uh, a group of people who are expressive and, uh, and and they have fun. They enjoy life. They're they're real. Uh, they're uh, yeah, they're they're genuine. They say what they mean. Uh, and uh, and and so it was more natural. That's why for forty years I've been I've been in the, working in the beauty profession, uh, and uh, uh, because that was where I really belonged. I, I maybe should have been a hairdresser, except I have absolutely no talent uh, with with my with my hands, and the uh, and so it was it was different. But it, for me, it was like, wow, this is the way to live life. This is the way to do it. Uh, not not that the, going to these psychology meetings. <laughs> That's amazing. So you not only saved all of us, we saved you and brought you into a more fun Absolutely. working atmosphere. I love that. I love your books. I've read, I read the original one. And then didn't you do something with Joe Santi as well? Wasn't there a collaboration? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I have that book. Uh-huh. I love Joe. He actually uh, was the one that connected us. I was so grateful to him. I said, I did a hair show in October called Revival and I wanted to find you and bring you into the show and I couldn't figure out how to reach you. Um, so I happened to mention it um, on a call with Joe and he's like, oh my gosh, I'll connect the two of you. So I'm so grateful for that. And I hope that I can bring you into the next event because what you share and how you share it is so important for not only the new stylists, the stylists in the middle of their career that may be questioning, is this one I want to continue to do? And I've been blessed. I'm 34 years in and it's never boring because it's constantly changing. You know, Mm -hmm. you start with the assisting phase and then it's, oh my gosh, I have my own chair. And then it's, I'm really busy behind the chair. And then it's, let me open a salon. And then after the salon, let me start to teach. So for me, boring. What's that? I mean, this has been the most amazing journey. And I feel for people who have been stuck in a cubicle doing the same thing for 34 years. I cannot even imagine waking up in the morning if I knew I had to go to that same cubicle every day. Um, uh, yeah, when, you, when you talk about your journey, you've had, I know you've had a colorful journey as well. Yes. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and that, that's, that's an interesting, interesting way of looking, looking through your life. Joe's been a lifelong buddy of mine, and um, uh, we talk almost daily. And uh, he uh, he he was there at the uh, at the beginning of of the Matrix phenomenon as well. And the uh, uh, that that was such such a uh, such a time of 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 uh, of you can see the transformation of an industry. You can see uh, you can see something was happening that it was going to another level. And, um, and it was uh, to, to have um, uh, people like Arnie and Sidel Miller, uh, Dennis Lubin, and that, to, have, to have those individuals as part of that, uh, creating the phenomenon uh, was um, um, I, I just, uh, I, I, I thought it helped elevate the whole profession, uh, the whole pride and passion and purpose of, of hairdressers. And, and as well as many other manufacturers, 
who've done great things along the way, each in their own way. Uh, and uh, the, the, uh, the Matrix way was a very human way. It was, uh, it, the emphasis was on human sensitivity uh, as well as science and human sensitivity. Uh, and that was the, um, uh, uh, our, our, our belief was um, uh, instead of thinking of, of what we do as moving products, we think of what we do as moving the people who move the products, moving the heart of the hairdresser uh, to believe in themselves and to be all that they're capable of being. And uh, so that was the underlying feeling. Um, and, and it's certainly a good underlying feeling for those listening today who are in a salon and to think about their own clients of moving their clients to new levels uh, to believe in themselves. Because every person out there wants to look the best that they possibly can. And they have chosen that stylist who they are in their chair or that salon where they are in that chair out of all the salons they can go to. They've chosen that one. They've said you, they, they've, they've chosen accountant. And when they go to their accountant, they want their accountant to give them every tip to save as much money as possible. They go to their medical doctor after that, they want their medical doctor to tell me everything you can to make me look my best. And then they go to the salon that they chose to the hairdresser and they're feeling the same thing. I would really like everything. I'd really like to know everything that you have to offer because I want to look my best. And, um, and, and, and I've chosen you and you've spent thousands of hours in this. I've never gone to beauty school, they're saying. Uh, and, to, to, to have that perspective as a hairdresser is to realize, okay, I want to be like that accountant or that doctor who gives you, offers you everything. You, you choose whether you want it or not. But if I see something in you and I say, boy, I see something that would, oh, really make a difference. And I don't say that. Uh, I'm not really doing all I can do. Mm. that actualizing who I can be. And the, the thing we know from what's called social comparison theory, which says when people are in doubt about which, which emotion to experience, they look to others for the clue. First time I flew in an airplane, it was bouncing. I didn't, I didn't know, is this bad or not? I was in a social comparison state. I didn't have a feeling. I watched the flight attendant, the expert. She's smiling. All of a sudden, I relax. A doctor's reading our medical report. We're studying her eyes. We're, we're reading it. We're in a state of social comparison. Is this good? Is this bad? Their reaction will determine my behavior. When a hairstylist is talking to a client about a new look, or a new product, and the client has no idea, they're in a state of social comparison. The hairstylist's enthusiasm at that moment helps to structure the client's feelings and adds value 
to the product, to the service that the hairstylist has to offer. You're, you're adding value simply by your enthusiasm because they're in a state of, I don't know, social comparison need. I'm waiting for you to show me how important this is. I love that so much because <laughs> I think that, you know, we underestimate how much trust is there with the client. And we have this story in our own head of, if I tell her that I want to do X, Y, Z, she's going to think I'm trying to upsell her and take more of her money. And it's the story in our head that, you know, if you could see that Charlie Brown cloud over our head, you would see that that's the thought. Well, if I, if I talk to her about the hairspray, then that's going to add $12 to her bill. And then it's going to be over 300 and then I'm going to feel bad. And it's this whole trajectory that, you know, the client can't see, nor do they feel that way. <laughs> to your point, you know, when, when we go to a doctor's office and they tear off that script and hand it to us, you, actually now they don't even hand it to us. They call ahead to our pharmacy and put the order in. They don't uh -huh. ask us, do you want the antibiotic? You're sick. They say, I called ahead and your medicine's waiting for you and we go pay. We have no idea what it's going to cost. <laughs> we wouldn't, and we wouldn't even think about, no, no, I don't, I, I, it, it, it is it is amazing how sometimes uh, <clears throat> we are our own worst enemies without realizing it. We're 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 prejudging a client based upon our our thinking <clears throat> that probably has nothing to do with what the client's thinking. And and if they are thinking it, then they can share that. And uh, uh, but um, uh, getting them excited about looking their best. Um, I, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, that's what they want. And, and they're, they'll be coming back. You as a colorist, no. When you get, start coloring somebody's hair, you, you're, you're going to be seeing them again. Uh, that uh, that, 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 that they're, they're, they're coming back. Um, I had great, I, I was totally great at, at 25. And, um, uh, and, and, uh, and so I've, I, when I got my hair colored for the first time in my late 20s, when I started working in the beauty profession, I, I mean, I couldn't even conceive that this, here I, I was an athlete, a baseball player, uh, gonna, gonna color his hair. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I mean, this is back, this is back in 1960, 1970. Uh, you gotta be kidding me, coloring. And then I work in the beauty profession and it wasn't long, it was a couple of years later. I'm coloring my hair and it, I've been coloring my hair for, for over 40 years. Uh, <laughs> because one day somebody said, let's color your hair. And never in 40 years time did I not get the hair cut. Let me grow it out, not once right. in 40 years. <laughs> and there's that trust there, especially with men. You know, one of the things that I share with colorists is don't treat men and their gray the way you treat women. Because uh -huh. Men don't want to appear colored. You know, most most colorists reach for the same thing they would reach for for a woman with the same uh -huh. situation. And I'm like, men don't want warmth at all. They don't uh -huh. want to have to put a hat on every time they go out in the sun. So there's ways around and there's ways to keep it looking more natural. But most times people don't even think, they think gray is gray. You know, they look at the head, they don't look at the person. That's really good. That's really, I never thought of that. That's, man, is that beautiful. 
Wow. Well, it goes back to what you said. Everything is uh, the perspective of the individual person, Mm -hmm. you know, and when someone sits in your chair, they have a vision of what they think you heard them say. And you have a vision of what you think you heard them say. And the the ideal situation is when they come together, but that doesn't always happen. And that's why what you provide from where your perspective is not being in the industry is that communication. I wish the beauty school spent, you know, half of our hours with what you have to say about the emotion, the connection, the communication, those it's, it's the 80, 20 rule. I've been blessed to be in a lot of Michael Cole uh, trainings and I pay it forward and share with everyone that will listen that it's 80% that trust and communication with that client. They're judging us in the first five seconds that they walk into our building. Did we smile to your point? Do we have a happy, warm face? Are we shaking their hand? Are we making them feel comfortable? Our salon becomes such a comfortable space for us that it's like when someone comes to your home, you never feel uncomfortable, but they may feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And we forget that when someone's new, we forget yeah. that they're and nervous. The, 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 uh, the, the, the principle of empathy says that people operate out of the way they look at life, not the way I do. And that's something that's hard for a lot of people to get over, that, that to understand that there's, another viewpoint of life that this other person has that's different than the one I have because I have the truth. And, uh, and, and when people start to get that, it really, uh, I, I, I used to do a lot of uh, labor management conflicts and the two different views of life that they have. I would spend um, uh, about three hours with each sign teaching them how to listen before we brought them together to negotiate. Uh, And I would say, your job is not to present the best case right now. Your job is to show how well you understand the other side. And when you understand the other side well enough that they say, yeah, you you understand what, what, what we're going through, then we're ready to negotiate. But up, up until that time, uh, they're, they're, we're, we're not going to connect at all. No, true. And, and so that that that, that become and in all in in all problems in a salon when two stylists aren't getting along, um, it's uh, I encourage salon owners to do a four step process. Person A speaks and person B listens. Then person B plays back what they heard person A say, their side of the story without judging. Then person B speaks and person A listens and person, uh, uh, person A plays back. And after doing those, going through those four steps, uh, they're in much better position because they've walked a mile in the other person's shoes. Mm. They're just not judging that like people do. 90, 95% of the time when person A speaks, person B is judging. And so you got to get over that and teach people how to work together. And in a, in a good salon team, um, I, I wrote a book called um, The Best Team Skills. And it's uh, skills for the salon where they acquire these skills to resolve conflicts, acquire the skills to uh, focus on bringing out the best in each other and to build a salon that is not competitive 
In other words, if any situation, the better stylist over here does, the worse I'm doing, that's an unhealthy situation because this is where the backbiting and the, 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 um, the this, the, to, to value cooperation over competition mm. in the salon because the customer feels it. Totally. And, and because of the tension that everybody in the salon feels. I'll never forget uh, a man that owned a restaurant, La Familia in Maui, Hawaii. I, I, <coughs> the waiter came out and said, would you like dessert? I said, yeah, two desserts. And the waiter went, yeah, oh yeah. And all the other waiters and waitresses are going, yeah. I'm going, what's this all about? He said, our manager, Mr. Delaney said, if tonight we sell 250 desserts, He's going to take us all out for a drink. I said, may I talk with him? Craig Delaney. I said, Mr. Delaney, I never saw anything like this. He said, when I started here, they used to have competition. And the winner would sell the most desserts would get so much money. Um, and he said, I noticed something. When I announced the contest, I already noticed people backing up. Some, some even almost saying, I'm not even going to participate because then I'd have to admit I lost. I didn't care about this. He said, so I changed it. I made it a group result. And he said, if you go back in our kitchen, you will see every time somebody sells a dessert, they go on the chalkboard, they're checking it out. And they're walking around to the tables and saying to other tables, customers, oh, you got to see this key lime pie. They, they're actually helping each other because the whole structure change that's amazing uh, a team a team thing rather than a bunch of individuals amazing i love that because you know today with the cell phones and technology and everybody having access to you know back in the 80s and 90s it was you didn't want your staff to have the phone number of the client because they're going to go down the street and they're going to take now that's all out the window but now I love that you talked earlier about um, comparing yourself. That's a huge thing that I feel sad about. And I, I fall into it myself. You know, I go on social media and I say, I want to help so many hairstylists with hair color. I want to reach that person in their first five years. What happens is my people that are in my membership learning how to be a better colorist are 15 plus years into it. And they're, they're back dialing and learning formulation 15 years into their career. So I struggle to reach that first, you know, person in that first five years because they're looking up to people that are on social media who don't have as many years experience, but they have that cool factor and they have more followers and all that. So it's hard for someone at my age to not compare and be like, oh, do I have to do all of that to be helpful? Um, and, and it's a shame. It's a shame that like I, I see my kids and what they have to go through with looking at everybody's highlight reel versus their real life reel. And it's, it's really sad. I, I hate it. It's, it's, it's so difficult to break from that pattern. But as, as a psychotherapist, that was probably, I spent so much time on that with people. Um, they're being compared to their brothers or sisters, being being compared to their neighbors, and looking at their own life sometimes as being a failure, 
even though they're a success, but they're a failure because their neighbor has so much more. And that is sad. People have different belly buttons. People have different appendixes. People have different <laughs> and you have to, you have to get really strong to, if you want to compare yourself to anything, compare yourself to your past to see how far you've grown. And my guess is, Elaine, most people who are listening in right now have gone so much further in life than they thought that they ever would. Mm. And that's what you compare yourself to. You're in that process. And you're always in the process. When we make a mistake, we're in the process. We're not human beings. We're human becomings. We're in the process of becoming. And we're always growing. When we're not failing, we're not growing because we're not transcending the known comfort zone of the past. I could stay on first base when I played baseball, but I can't score a run that way. I have to go from first to second. And I could get tagged out there in between. That's called anxiety, that distance between bases in life. It's called anxiety, uncertainty. Anxiety, I believe, is a healthy indicator that I am alive, that I am alive. What does anxiety mean? A synonym for anxiety is uncertainty. When we're in a state of anxiety, we're in a state of uncertainty. Well, how do we get rid of it? Well, medication maybe. Well, we get rid of it by not ever putting ourselves in a state of uncertainty, not going to second base, not risking anything, not asking that guy or that girl out, not, not trying, because then there's no anxiety, uh, not going to the doctor when we feel symptoms. Then we don't have the anxiety of, of the thing, we, but we just live, live with that inside, but we don't have that moment of anxiety. And so anxiety is something that uh, in, in my work, in my work with hairdressers, I ask hairdressers, what is the greatest achievement in your life? I ask them to process what the greatest achievement was in their life. And then I ask them the question, did you not have some of the greatest amounts of anxiety right before that greatest achievement of your life? Mm. See, that's the cost. That's the cost. And people will sacrifice their whole life, Elaine, because they just don't want to, they just don't want to have that anxiety. They just don't want to have those growth pains. They'll go back to yesterday being, today being like yesterday, because it's predictable. Mm. And see, that's the source of the, um, of the, uh, of the person who's a, what used to be called um, obsessive compulsive person. They have to have everything in order. Because if everything's in order, then everything is predictable. Uh, I can't, a, a client who comes to the salon who needs to sit in the same chair, the same styling station, needs the same stylist, can't stand it when the stylist goes on vacation because uh, they, 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 they're tense with another stylist. <coughs> so, so, there, there's so much of what we're talking about in everyday problems, in the challenges, in a salon are psychologically related. And uh, there's so much, uh, there's so much uh, depth at the field of psychology.
can offer to, uh, to stylists. So true. And you just explained it so, I love that baseball analogy. It's so easy to, to, and when you were saying it, I could picture that, that yes, you know, when you go to steal a base or when you're ready to run, you have the fear that you're going to get tagged out. But if you never run to that next base, you'll never get to the home run. That's amazing. And so simple <clears throat> in regards to anxiety, how many people are crippled with anxiety and don't live the life they're meant to live because of the worry and the fear of, of which most things never happen. You know, our story in our head is always way worse than the, the ultimate failure that you can even experience is never as bad as what you think that it's going to be. So and, that's and, amazing. And, and your work with the young stylist, you see it as much as anybody. You see that young stylist who, uh, it, because of anxiety, they're, they're just, they're, they're holding back. And that the issue is not, can they do this? The issue is getting over that uncertainty. And um, uh, all, all my early books were on the topic of encouragement, the use of encouragement in relationships, bringing out the courage. Um, and, um, and, and, and how do we do that? Well, a lot of different ways. We, focus in on their strengths. We uh, notice what they're doing right, not wrong. We notice their efforts, their improvements and their progress, not their success or failure. I don't use the word success or failure. Why? Because I notice people will set lower goals for themselves because of the alternative of failure. Uh, so I focus in on growth, improvement, progress, improving over yesterday rather than um, did you succeed? I wouldn't say, did you succeed uh, at this? I would say, what did you learn from this? And if they've, if they've acted and they've traversed through that anxiety zone, um, they've, they have something they bring back that they've, they've gotten from their experience. Uh, and that'll help them to become growth oriented rather than just success oriented. Success is beautiful but not when one is viewing success and failure on that continuum from a psychological perspective. I love that. And that's the perfect way to end this wonderful chat because you and I could, I could sit here and talk to you for another four hours. Um, people on podcasts don't have that kind of attention span. So I try to, I try to keep it to like 35 minutes, but you are absolutely so amazing. Again, the exact energy that I saw with you in person in the 90s is here today. And that is such a tribute to who you are. You're so authentic. You can't pretend to be this person. You know, it'd be impossible for you to remember exactly how to be if, if this were not you through and through. So I love that about you. I love that I'm able to bring you to the next generation through this podcast, through some people are going to be watching this on YouTube. And if they did not know about Dr. Lou, they do now. I hope that they will get your book or books. I know you have many books and um, this is not, this is not the last of Dr. Lou. Um, I, I love that you're still so in love with our industry and have given us so much. So thank uh, you. I, Irene, uh, 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 Elaine, I mean, uh, this is uh, it's called the um, Attitude Modification Program. Mm. If salons would be interested in it, um, that, that this is a, a, um, a four hour program 
six, six DVDs, uh, uh, those things that are on TV. I don't know if that's TV. <laughs> yeah, that. you're right. You're right. Uh, but this is all the most important thing we have in our life is our attitude. That's our toolbox to deal with life. I love that. Our attitude can transcend our experiences. And uh, so if anyone is interested, they might look this up, the attitude toolbox. And one other thing, uh, a book for sales. If it weren't for the customer, selling would be easy. Oh, I love that. Now, Dr. Lou, tell people how they can find that. Is there a website uh, to go to? Yeah, I'll tell you what they can do. They can contact me directly. I have a bunch of books if they're interested in other leadership books. It's L-L-O-S-O-N-C-Y at AOL.com. <coughs> and tell me the um, DVDs again, the Attitude Toolbox. The DVD is called Attitude Modification. And that's for the whole salon. It's not only for the whole salon, but it's for your clients. Because it's not. A, this isn't about hairdressing. This is about life. Your children can watch this. Uh, and if it weren't for the customer, selling would be easy, is 100 strategies they can immediately use in teaching the staff sales approaches with people. I love that so much. And I hope and that- if they, if they contact me- I can put I'll, it in the show notes, me. Dr. Lowe. I'll add it in the notes and we'll put your, put your email so they make Great. sure- Okay. Because a lot of people are on the treadmill right now, or they're walking in a park, or they're doing other things, um, so they don't have anything to write down with. So I'll make sure everybody check the show notes for how to get in touch with Dr. Lowe. You are such a treasure. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I have really, I, I've talked to you at the perfect time. I needed to hear a lot of those things myself. I need to be reminded um, of how important what it is that I do is and to not 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 compare to anyone or anything and just keep, keep on keeping on and helping other people. So thank, thank you, you friend. Me, and thank you everybody for listening today. See you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.